This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And uh, little news, little little discussion on Georgia Vanderbilt this weekend. Georgia going for its seventh win of the season. And what was going to be the season finale, still got a game with Missouri you got to make up. Maybe we'll get some news on that tomorrow, Friday, uh, from the SEC. That, that's kind of been the scuttlebutt here lately. But Trey Hill likely out for the rest of, of the season, or at least the last two games of the regular season. I uh, got both knees scoped, may miss the bowl game as well. Um, getting things cleaned up, and and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this Vanderbilt game, a team decimated at this point. Uh, no coach uh, because Derek Mason's been fired, and and uh, this game Georgia should run away with here on Senior Day should be a pretty fond memory for the seniors. But Rusty, uh, come on. Normally we kind of do this little segment uh, on 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 our pregame show on our our you know the show we do prior to a game, and we talk about. Uh, how we feel about the game as week goes along. Don't think that's necessary this week, but I do want to ask you, what do you want to see from Georgia on Saturday against Vanderbilt? Well, if you're asking me, well, I get to ask you a question before that. And first of all, Jake, you broke probably the biggest story in a while on uh, in the Georgia market with Dewan Mathis transferring. Let me get a quick thought from you, Jake. What's your thoughts on Dewan Mathis leaving? Surprise you? Uh, what's his ceiling like? And where could you see him being successful? I was on the wall, man. Uh, you know, when JT Daniels came in and played like he played and Dewan played like he played, you know, it just it just makes a lot of sense for Dewan to do that. I thought Kirby Smart's comments about uh, him not wanting to that to be out until Monday and, uh, you know, sorry, that's kind of how we have to do. That's our job. And uh, You broke um, it when they, they came on the field, I think. So, I'm pretty, pretty sure I know what you did there. So, that was right, – Yeah. Yeah. So, um you know, I mean, I, I think the world won. I've, I've talked multiple times here on our board about my sit-down with him after the Sugar Bowl. Could not be more impressed. Could not root for the kid harder. I, I'm a Dwan Mathis fan. I, I may have gotten it wrong on, on how well he was going to come out and play. He just – he didn't have it. it. It was best stuff. Wasn't there this year. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see any problem with, with him doing that. I think that's something that he's got to do at this point because – you know, JT Daniels has got a pretty firm grasp on this thing, and he's going to have to lose it. And uh, when it gets to that point, it, it's probably time to move on. Jake, I agree there. You know, going back to the original question you asked me, I just want to touch base with you on that. Um, again, probably big stories in a while in our market. But, the uh, you know, what you want to see this weekend out of Georgia is is uh, it's this weekend, as you said, decimated Vanderbilt team. I mean, it. I'll be honest, it's a miracle that they're playing. I mean, it just really is. And I'm glad they're playing. It shows a lot about those kids. And, you know, I'll tell you this, not to get off the subject, I'll say this real quick, that there were some rumors going around that the players at Vandy were upset about, um, you know, uh, Sarah Fuller and, and her, you know, kicking, not kicking, speaking at halftime, whatever happened. 
possibly some player revolts and all that. I talked to many people, many, many people close to this. Um, I also talked to Barton Simmons, who is very close to, you know, living in Nashville. He knows those guys well. Um, one of the things that I, I had nobody tell me that the, the issues were about her playing. Um, you can have your opinion, whatever you want, but I'll tell you this, that being 0-8 and, and their coach getting fired what was is a lot to do with what's going on up there right now. So, you know, we probably won't know until game time who they have, who they've truly opted out uh, this week, but then they're going to be raised with the end. So touching into the next subject, you want to see Georgia uh, just move forward, man. And um, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, we've kind of taken different angles on this type of situation, but I'll, I'll take a real clear stance right here. And this is a game that Georgia should absolutely control from the start to the finish. This is a game that Georgia should empty on senior day, empty that 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 sideline. I mean, all kids should play. This is a game for the first half. You should see them run, throw, uh, work on some things for Georgia. You know, this is an SEC football game. This is not an SEC roster they're bringing down here right now. The situation Vanderbilt's facing is very, very hard for this team. So, you know, I just think that Georgia should be able to do virtually what they want to do, get a lot of things done. And with this free year, man, I think this is a game you see some kids, Broderick Jones more, Arian Smith more. Um, you know, you see uh, maybe Jalen Kimber. I don't know, you know, what situation with him is. Tate Ratledge, Van Pran's obviously going to play a lot more with Trey Hill being out. So this is a game for me. This is one of those. This is one of those mama loves you games right here because mom, every mom on that roster for her son should be happy uh, at the end of Saturday night when this game's over at Sanford Stadium. Well, eighty of them at least, because I'm pretty sure you can only dress eighty well, uh, guys for no, I'm not, I'm not, So I think I read. I think I read. Maybe wrong, Jay. I think I read where Mike Bobo before they played Georgia dressed every single walk on every player at South Carolina. Okay. That, now well, I may be wrong. I know you can only travel seventy. Yeah, they, I, I'm pretty sure the the, the is this 105. I'm sure I'm pretty sure that the home team gets 80. Okay, for, for an SEC game that they can play, well, I, I but, think but, they can dress as many as they want. But you're probably right because they were decimated anyway. So if right. you're on 20 walk-ons, that's the spot. Right. Yeah. Uh, concerning the whole Sarah Fuller thing, man, there was a quote from Vandy special teams coach, and you know I'm listen, I. I may be too easily amused here. It may make this was one of the funniest things I've ever read. Guy's name is Justin. I'm uh, sorry, Devin Fitzsimmons, and it was uh, regarding the Sarah Fuller situation. He said this wasn't a PR stunt. It was literally like, okay, what gives us the best to win? We did try out some other guys on the team that allegedly played soccer, like when they were six, and it was brutal. So. <laughs> Um, I don't know why I read, that, I read that earlier today. Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic tweeted that. And, man, I had tears rolling down my face from the word allegedly played soccer. I mean, when you're, when, when you're out there and you're trying to kick a football and your special teams coach is like, I don't know if you've ever kicked anything before in your life. You, I mean, you say you did, but I don't know if I believe it. That's – I mean, that's football, man. And that's an 0-8 team. Oh and God. I'm not laughing at Vanderbilt for being 0-8 because it's a tough league and that's a tough school and it's a, it's a program that doesn't have a lot of history. Man, I had a winning season in seven, eight years. So it's 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 a tough dynamic there. And I can imagine they're probably tired of losing. I mean, they – you know, you got all these players and, and you know, they, they struggle with 
COVID as much as anybody this year in the SEC. Um, but you got all those players who, you know, probably sacrificed a lot to get this season in. And you're probably not even going to get a win out of it. And that's, that's hard, man. That's real hard. You know, one, one year when I was coaching, we, we started off, I think, three and one. We won our game the rest of the year. And that was tough. I mean, that was – I mean, we were snappy with each other in the coach's office. Uh, you know, we would we'd bite each, other head, each other's heads off when we were doing Sunday film study for the previous team. I mean, it just, it just wears on you after a while. And, uh, you know, that's just the competitor kind of coming out in you and, and probably tying your happiness to some stuff that you probably don't need to be tying your happiness to, but it is what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you, Rusty. I mean, you know, if, if there is if there are 80 guys eligible to play, able to play on Saturday, Georgia needs to play all of them. And, and one thing I'll add, too, go ahead and throw what I want to see in this game. Rusty, I, I want to see if Georgia's able to get out and control this game early, nothing – first quarter or 21 to three in the second quarter. Give Broderick Jones a drive at right tackle beside Ben Cleveland. Cause I think he can learn a lot and give, give Xavier trust a drive at left tackle beside Justin Schaefer or, or, you know, throw Cedric Pran in there. Cause I think Warren McClendon is probably going to get the start. I'm sorry. Warren Erickson is probably going to get the start, but you know, Cedric Van Pran in there with ones and JT Daniels and, and all of that stuff. I think all of that stuff really helped that group grow up. And, you know, I guess another thing I want to kind of toss at you here, Rusty, is, you know, losing Trey Hill for these last few games of the season, I look at it two ways. One, you know, if Vanderbilt comes at Georgia with that same game plan Mississippi State had, it might have some success getting to the quarterback a little bit and stopping the run. But at the same time, whether it's Warren Erickson, whether it's Cedric Van Pran, there's a silver lining there. And it's that if if Trey Hill – and I get the feeling he probably is doing this for this reason. If he's getting those knees fixed so that he can move on to the NFL pre-draft process, then you get a kind of a at least a one or two, three-game head start on breaking in your guy for next year, and, and it's not a bad thing, right? No, no not especially the offensive line. Not, I'll say this. I've made it in a couple of these chats I've done here lately. This offensive line has had really good moments. This offensive line's had some okay moments. But overall, with Matt Luke's first year and losing what they lost, I think they've had a pretty good year. They got some guys playing out of position. The ceiling for that offensive line room is about to go up a couple of notches. And then they've got another class coming in behind this group right here. Uh, with these guys, this 2021 group, I'm telling you, that this group right here, this offensive line room, I think is about to take a step forward athletically, length. Um, so exactly what you're talking about. You get Van Pran, you get Erickson, you get them guys some work, invaluable work. Because, look, we all know there's no guarantee for spring practice. Now, obviously, the coaches want it, kids want it, we want to cover it and all of that, but there's no, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. So the more work you get out of these kids in, in this time of year is – major league bonus yep that's that that's all it comes down to for me i mean i listen if 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 trey hill has played his last game as a bulldog he did a really good job i think he started i know he started um 22 straight games at center i think he started 26 straight games dating back to when he got installed at right guard georgia had a bunch of injuries there in 2018 with Cade mays and, and ben cleveland um he's done a great job 
And if he's played his last game, then then you know that's that's that. And he's you know obviously you you would want him in there. I think he gives Georgia the best five up front, but um, with a chance to kind of. Uh, build some depth uh, in a way, you know, Kirby talks about that all the time as injuries allow you to build depth. And and this is a little bit different story because you might be training his heir apparent. You might be training him to do it a year from now. Trey might ultimately decide, you know, he might get started with it and say, all right, I want to come back. We don't know yet. So we're not saying he's definitely going, but it has that feel to it that, that he would, you know, head and get this, get this stuff taken care of so that he can, you know, show up at at, at, at combines and, and and private workouts or whatever he gets a chance to do and really, really shine and do his best. Um, but but yeah, every rep that Warren Erickson gets and every rep that Cedric Van Pran gets, and I tend to think Cedric Van Pran is the heir apparent because if you if Justin Schaefer and Ben Cleveland leave, Warren Erickson has a lot of experience at guard too, and 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 that allows you to get those guys on the field. And I know the staff is really high on Cedric Van Pran. So it goes by Cedric Van Pran Granger. I think that might be actually what's on the back of his jersey. Um, but, but you know, it's it, until you kind of talk to the kid and get a good idea as to what he wants to go by, what wants to be called, I guess we're, we'll go with the short version there. Kip, what are you looking for in this game uh, from Georgia? Well, first off, I just want to just take a look back at just the center position of Georgia. You guys talk about the, po- the potential – you know, if Georgia's going to have a new center in place for 2021, and, I mean, all signs point to that likely being the case if Trey Hill goes on the draft. Just, you know, what what a decade for Georgia at the center position. I was just thinking, looking back, Ben Jones to, to David Andrews to Brandon Cablano to Lamont Gelliard, uh, and, and here with, with, with Trey Hill. It's just that position's been really strong for them. Offensive line – had ups and downs over the last 10 years, but you can't really look at that position and say it's, it's been a, you know, a real weakness for Georgia for the most part. And, you know, that, that's a, it's a lot for Cedric Van Pran and Warren Erickson to kind of live up to, but, you know, it's just overall the, the quality of play there has been outstanding. I just think that that's just something that kind of has caught my eye as we look at, now it kind of snuck up on us, this being maybe the last we've seen at, at Trey Hill, you know, in a Georgia uniform actually on the field. But as far as this game, knowing how it should go, I mean, as we've said since really the Florida loss, and, and you mentioned it with, you know, Trey Hill being out, the silver lining for Georgia is that they get extra practice, I mean, audition for next year. They get extra reps. It's not, it's not just younger guys. It's just overall the guys that are going to be starting on this team in 2021. It's, it's, this is audition time. This is time for them to, to put out good game film and, and to give that coaching staff a better grasp of what they have at each position. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm wanting to see a lot of the young guys, but I'm also wanting to see, you know, how the offense handles maybe having an early lead, maybe taking control of this game early. And we've seen kind of two different sides of the coin in the last two games. As everyone knows, we saw, you know, one of the better passing performances in recent years uh, from Georgia against Mississippi State. And we saw one of the best rushing performances out of Georgia the last few few years against South Carolina. Can they put it all together on the field and, and showcase really what a Todd Monken offense can, can look like and, and overall what can they do? Now, obviously, they have some guys out, as we said, but the talent's there and the opponent, 
you know, isn't going to be one of the better opponents Georgia sees this year, arguably, you know, the, the, the weakest opponent. So everything lines up there for Georgia to be able to do whatever it wants on offense. So when you can do whatever you want on offense, what do you do? Is this a situation where you just want to get the win and get out? Or are you going to, you know, kind of just see what these guys can do and, and let them play and just call the full playbook and, and, and see what these guys can do, in this situation to try to look towards next year. So that's kind of what I'm looking to see. Obviously that goes for the defense as well with a lot of young guys out there uh, and some, some seniors who are trying to put more, more film out there to try to improve their draft position. But and overall, I think that's kind of what the, the, the fan base has wants, wants to see too, as, as we know on the junkyard, it's, it's kind of a daily thing is, you know, how is Georgia's offense going to look like when it's got all the pieces together and it's able to do whatever it wants? What is the identity of this offense? That was a question going into the season. We've only had a couple games with with JT Daniels, you know, under center. Let's see what he can do out here and, and see what this offense really should look like as we look toward 2021. Good point. Uh, you know, just – the, the focus and the ability to finish and Georgia's not mathematically out of it, but I mean, less than a 1% chance Florida's going to lose both of these last two games and get them where Georgia wants to go. But, you know, you got to keep fighting. And I think a lot of guys have kind of done that all year long, you know, like Monty Rice. Um, you know, I, I don't think Monty Rice is playing as good a football as he can possibly play. And, and some of it's because of the foot sprain and some of it's because he's not practicing because he wants to play on Saturdays and, he can't really handle the load. Um, but guys like that have kind of pushed through it here late in the year when when other guys have, have opted out. And I, I think that's impressive. And and uh, you want to see, you know, Georgia come out and do what they're supposed to do again, do like they did against South Carolina, which is, you know, get the offense rolling. And, and you know, I know I mentioned I wanted to see some of those guys, um, some of those young guys get reps with the ones and with the first-team offense still in there. You know, obviously I also want to see JT Daniels his second home start, um, you know, see what he's all about. See if he can kind of see how much he's learned in the last eight quarters because he's got all eight of them and uh, one incredible game, one solid game, and, and let's see what he's got in the other one. Uh, let's jump into a break real quick. And on the other side, we're going to make some quick predictions uh, on this game, quick player of the game and uh, score predictions. And then we're going to talk recruiting because Georgia's got 222. Ooh, man, that's a, a uh, tongue twister. Two 2022 uh, commitments this week, and uh, it's only four, 13 days until uh, early signing period. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Rusty, going to start with you. Player of the game and score. Give it to us. Oh, me. I will go Georgia 45, Vanderbilt 10. And I will go with a player of the game. I think I, did I hit this right last week. Did I say Zamir White? I think I did. 
I'm, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I can't remember if I did or not. Kip beat you anyway, man. Kip. I'd like to, for the Kip. record, I'd like to counter. Kip with, just kills that. I mean, Kip's like what nine out of ten? Yeah, something like that, and it's ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I'll. Go, we got to start letting Kip pick first, so I can know who he's eliminating. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go, and people are gonna be pissed at me. I'll go, with Kitty McIntosh. Man, I thought you were about to say Matt Landers. No, no. I definitely will not be saying Matt Landers. Uh, this is not a preseason scrimmage. Um, I will go with uh, Kenny McIntosh. I think he's going to get more touches. I think he's a guy that's, you know, we all uh, we're on the train for that guy. He is, uh, he just, sometimes, man, he just looks different. You know, Kendall Milton showed a little bit of that too before he got hurt. But uh, Kenny McIntosh is, that, that, that he, he's, he's a guy that I think is going to be a really, really good football player for Georgia moving forward. And, this is a, probably a game that you see uh, him a lot more touches, and I think he breaks one or two, and it ends up with some really good stats on Saturday. I'm really interested to hear what Kip says here, so it's your turn, Kip. Uh, player of the game and score. Well, you know, initially I thought, well, senior night, maybe our boy D-Rob gets a lot more run in this game, more snaps than maybe he's had in some other games, catches a big bomb or two, you know, kind of that uh, – emotional pick there uh, for it being his, his last home game at, at Georgia. But I, I'm just looking at, at Vanderbilt's offensive line and, and thinking about, again, the NFL draft and, and guys trying to, to get that stock out there. I'm going with a pick that Rusty's made earlier this year with, with Aziz Ojolari. I think that, that he is going to have a, a big game. He's going to be in the backfield early and often. And he's going to, to kind of pad his stat line a little bit and, and, you know, maybe give himself a chance to be in that, you know, the top that leaderboard as far as sacks in the SEC. I know that Georgia leads the conference in sacks. And I think that this could be a huge game for Aziz in, in that area. I think Vanderbilt's going to be pretty one-dimensional here. They're going to have to – they're going to get behind early. They're going to be throwing early and often. And so even though uh, the backups might be in – Early in the second half, I think the Z's will will have uh, made a bunch of plays by then, and I got Georgia winning this one, forty-one to three. You know, I've been so bad at this predicting uh, player of the game. I think you could probably give me two two on offense, two on defense, and Kip would still probably just boat race me. That was um, a hell of that was you know he said D Rob. I thought damn that. Hey, listen, uh, let, let me make a point on what he said about D Rob. He said our boy D Rob. Yeah. Listen, I don't know about y'all, but I, I am comfortable with that because sure. if if D-Rob graduated from Georgia, moved on, did whatever he did with his life, and showed up at my front door and was like, hey, you mind if I come in for dinner? He could stay as long as he wants because sure. that is one of the best dudes I've ever been around. I spent all day with him at a track meet, and uh, back in the day, he was over at Oconee County High School or, or North Oconee. Glenn Schumann, James Coley were there. That's when he was getting recruited. Eventually chose Cal. Patient, just a sweet kid, good attitude, real good conversationalist, smart guy, just just a salt-of-the-earth guy. Um, not enough to make me pick you for player of the game today, uh, tonight, but but a real, a real good kid. Um, I'm going with George Pickens because I think Vanderbilt's going to try to use that Mississippi State game plan to an extent, put those uh, put those cornerbacks out there on an island and make Georgia throw it. 
um, that kept Mississippi State in the game for all four quarters. It, it didn't get them down 21 nothing like South Carolina did, and basically that was over by the end of the first quarter. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be it's going to be a really aggressive game plan. Nothing to lose playing with letting it all hang out with a with a new head coach with the interim head coach there. Um, so I think George Pickens is a, is a good bet there. So that's my pick of the player of the game, and I think George is going to score. Uh, I think George is going to get in the fifth this year. Last game of the regular season last year, and I know this may not be the last game, but uh, Georgia put it out there against uh, against uh, Georgia Tech. I think they're going to do the same thing to Vandy, probably a worse Vandy team and a better Georgia offense in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I think Georgia is going to going to get get over fifty. I'm going to say fifty two to six. I think Georgia is going to beat up on them pretty good. I think they should beat up on them pretty good. And uh, George Pickens is my player of the game. Uh, let's get into this recruiting stuff. And, Rusty, I want you to tell us about these uh, two tw- uh, 2022 guys that committed to Georgia. One did yesterday, Tyree West, uh, mm-hmm. out of Tiff County. I was born in Tifton. And then, uh, um, you know, then they got the uh, Darius Smith kid, Agent Smith, yeah. uh, from the Matrix. Uh, he uh, he committed to Georgia today, outside linebacker, 6'6", 215, 220 pounds. Tell us a little bit about these two. I'll tell you what, first of all, Tyree West, and let me tell you, People pay attention to the recruiting that Tyree West is a five star on the uh, on one side. Our side, he's not, and I'll tell you why he's not for us, and I'll tell you why he has potential to really, really, really rise based off his junior tape. Tyree had never been to a camp in his life, and he shows up in June at a camp in Atlanta. Uh, I think he's an underclassman, and this young man's been the pan- through the pandemic. I mean, they had a you know just everybody's dealing with different things can't work out he, he really shows up out of shape and he, he was on that jake Rowe plans what he was on, he was on yeah, I, hey the pandemic was good to me i was in that weight loss competition i was good right now i i could not go to a camp i would lose a star for damn sure the one i've got i would lose um but uh you know he comes in out of shape man and just it just doesn't have a great performance he, i mean he never ran bags in his life like that anything like that a three-cone drill, never done anything like that. So uh, that knocked him down a little bit for us, and I understand that. I understand we put value in that, and it is what it is. But we also put value into that game tape. And he, I went to see him a couple of weeks ago, and he's not as tall as I wanted him to be. I thought he was a six-three-and-a-half guy. He's probably legit six-two and maybe a little bit over but he's 275, and, man, he is a damn bull. And I'm talking about explosive, uh, just really can get after it, man. And, you know, I talked to Grace and staff after they played the other night, and they were like, Rusty, you know, we beat him pretty good, but that guy, we couldn't do anything with him, and we definitely stayed away from him. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be an outstanding player. I have no hesitation to say – I'm going to speak up for him in recruiting readings. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I'm definitely going to voice my opinion because what I've seen out of him, just like I would uh, any other kids, just like I did Phil Maffa, who's a Clemson commit running back at Grayson. Uh, when I was asked about him, I said, look, his senior tape, man, we've got to do something. And we, you know, we bumped him up pretty good. So because he's a Georgia commit, I'm going to, I'm going to speak up because what we've seen and what he has done. So saying that, I, I really think Tyree West is, is going to be, a very good football player in Athens. Uh, Darius Smith's a young man that that was the first time I've ever seen him. Uh, first time I've ever actually been to Appling County. Uh, Rick Tumberland's over there, the old Washington County coach, coached Keo Spikes and 
Robert Edwards, Terrence Edwards, all those Washington County powerhouses uh, that unfortunately beat my Purple Dragons in the Georgia Dome one of those years in the semifinals. But Tumberland's there, and uh, I talked to his staff, and, you know, here's a kid that, you know, sometimes it's refreshing. You know, Jake Kipp, we've all done this, and, and not knocking on anybody, but, like, this kid's never been to a camp. He's never been to a college football game. You know, his. I asked him, you know, hey, have you been to any games or what, what stood out? And he goes, well, I got invited to a Georgia game last year. And I was like, that's the only, that's the only place he's ever been and had an invite from. But just potential-wise and player-wise seeing him, he reminds me so much of the first time I saw Adam Anderson. Uh, he's a little bit taller when Adam was. First off, Adam's grown a little bit since he got to Georgia tall-wise. You know, and, he, and here's the thing. Will he be able to carry more weight? He has the frame. Some people can. Some people can't. Adam has dealt with weight issues, um, and that's no secret. But it doesn't mean that Darius is going to. But frame-wise, I mean, that's what he looks like, the Arden Key type guy. You know, he's at 6'6", six, 6'5 six, six, and a half. He's, two, he's playing around 218. Uh, they said, you know, after basketball season last year, right for the pandemic hit, you know, they thought they could get him to 230, and uh, they probably will this year if they continue to work out and stay in school. So here's Appling County, a team in 3A, undefeated. I don't know if they got the bullets to play with a Cedar Grove or a, a Oconee County or Peach County, but uh, if, if Georgia fans get to see him play on TV, then uh, I think they're going to be impressed. But, it, it, look, two defensive linemen and, I, and from South Georgia, and I'll tell you right now, I, you know, th th those are the ones I bet on. I mean, those kids are producing – um, they, they just, you know, they love football, man. And those little towns down there, that's all they got. And um, they're coming here hungry. And I, I think those were two hellacious gets for Georgia. And both of them, uh, you know, if, if you look at kind of what Georgia's going to need in next year's class, very big positions to need. And you look at this class, and it depends on what Dayon Bowie does, uh, Smoke Bowie, uh, what, he, what he's going to – what side of the ball he ends up on. But – um, you may have five defensive commitments all from the state of Georgia. The only one that's ranked outside of the top 104 in the country is uh, is Smith. And, uh, you know, he's a high upside guy. I mean, Kirby Smart has said uh, at, at speaking functions that, you know, they 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 go to schools and, and it, guys who are 6'2 and over, you know, they're like, hey, what's his name? What's his story? You know, they, they love to – recruit potential and and you know that kid has a lot of it smith's a, a, a good looking prospect and he's one of those guys to me that i mean you know he's, he still has a junior year to play a senior year he's gonna have two more years of film who knows how much better he's gonna get where, where his body's gonna go he could end up as a defensive end for all we know um we've seen yeah. guys get bigger faster Tyrion ingram uh tyrian ingram dawkins is, a, is an example of that uh, Kip, when you look at the rest of this class for Georgia, because National Signing Day is 13 days away, what are the what are the heavy hitters? I know Georgia's got a lot of big-time guys left on the board, but who are what are the main needs for the Bulldogs? Well, right now, Georgia's got 19 verbal commitments. Uh, I think it's a class that right now ranks, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're number four in the country right now. And, I mean, it's starting to line up pretty well for everyone to kind of key in on the main guys. You got five-star defensive tackle Mason Smith from Louisiana, a guy that, I mean, throughout the cycle, it's kind of been maintained that, you know, we didn't think that, that he was going to leave the state. But, I mean, we're, we're creeping into December here, and he, he's 
definitely shown legitimate interest in Georgia, making a, an additional visit to Georgia last month to, you know, to, to check out Athens once again, spend time with, with other recruits there and, and just get a better feel for, for what Athens and, and kind of just, you know, what maybe being on the team might be like. That's a guy that we didn't really think that, you know, we we knew that Georgia was recruiting him as hard as he possibly could. You knew there was some interest, but you didn't know how legitimate it was. And, and, and I mean, here we are. It's They're hanging in there pretty strong. And, and that's a, definitely a major need and a major target for Georgia. I, I kind of look at the, you know, two other guys that to, to kind of keep an eye on is, you know, top 100 linebacker Xavier Sori from Graceville, Florida. Uh, he played at IMG Academy senior season. It's a guy that we've talked about a lot in the show. We've written a lot about at Dogs 24-7. It's, it's a very – he's a very talented linebacker, great size and, and, and athleticism that, that we think that George has been in a pretty good spot with for a while now. They've got to fight off some, some heavy hitters there. You got Alabama. You got Florida in the mix there as well. They, they got to continue to recruit them hard and, and make sure that, you know, they can kind of – land him when he announces his decision one decision that's coming up real soon is is top 100 cornerback nylon green out of newton high school in covington georgia he's expected to announce his decision uh tuesday i think that when you look at his recruitment he's had several programs that that we've thought have been the leader throughout i think clemson early on in the spring then auburn tennessee made a big move as well Georgia's kind of hung in there, you know, in that top group throughout. And, you know, they've had some momentum with him for a while. Can they fend off Clemson with this late push? That's the question as, as we get closing in on him, announcing his commitment. Those are kind of the main guys I'm watching right now. There are a bunch of other guys that Georgia's in the mix with as we get toward early sign, the early signing period. I, I think when all is said and done – if I'm looking at Georgia's class, you know, I think they end up with with 22 guys in this class, and I think they, they save a, a couple spots for that transfer portal. It's just, you know, with, with everyone being able to, to transfer without sitting out, I just think that Georgia is going to have guys leave, and Georgia is going to have an opportunity to bring in, you know, very talented guys to, to fill whatever holes they see fit. And it's just, it's just completely up in the air. Not only – is it up in there with which seniors are going to come back and, and use that extra year of eligibility? Which ones are going to go to the draft? Just signing period in general, if Georgia ends up playing Missouri, you know, December 19th instead of December 12th, then, you know, they're having to recruit guys via Zoom. They can't host anyone, but still, that's still recruiting time that they might not have as much as they want because they're having to p- prepare for an opponent. So, I can imagine Kirby Smart probably wants that Missouri game to, to happen, you know, on the 12th and not the 19th, just in terms of recruiting period right there. So it's just a lot of different X factors for this recruiting cycle, including just the fact that recruits haven't been able to actually spend time face-to-face with coaches uh, since that first weekend in March. So nine months not being able to do that. And also nine months that coaches weren't able to evaluate in person. So it's just a different year all around. It's definitely been a different year in recruiting, but I think if Georgia can can land three more guys in this class, maybe two or three of the guys I just named, I, I think they have a very good chance of, of beating LSU 
for that number three spot, having a top three spot in, in this recruiting cycle, which I think all things being said uh, is still really, really impressive for Kirby Smart and his coaching staff. Yeah, that would be. And, and you know, it would it would say a lot about what Georgia did with that lack of margin of error that created for itself way back in the summer when it seemed like the sky was falling. And uh, it definitely was over at the junkyard. But Georgia's now number four. Um, still has a chance to put together a really impressive recruiting class and some big guys left on the board. And Rusty, I'm going to put you on the spot. Then I'm going to put Kip on the spot too. So don't, 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 don't get upset with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the guys left on Georgia's board, and you guys know them a lot better than I do. Uh, I say it all the time. You, the the two best recruiting guys in the entire industry. You know are, it's going to be bad, Kip. Be starting this way. You know he's, uh, yeah, he's buttered us up. <laughs> got the butter knife out here softening that butter up to spread it uh so um would give me the three in order that if you're georgia you're managing this roster that you kind of you need the most you want the most whatever the three guys that that you know kip said thinks they finished 22 let's just go ahead and put that arbitrary number out there three guys you think georgia needs to finish with the most and in what order one two three Ooh. Just because of how thin they are, um, I, I think Nylon Green, and, and same way with Clemson, man. Clemson, if Clemson, Georgia beats Nylon Green, if Georgia beats Clemson for Nylon Green, Clemson has almost struck out uh, at the quarterback, the defensive back spot in this class for a top target, which is unheard of. Jordan Hancock goes to Ohio State. Uh, Kamari Lasker goes to Georgia. They were in on him. And if Nylon Green goes to Georgia, um, that just tells you, how important he is. Um, I, I would say that because of how physically dominating he is, I'm not sure he's the absolute must-have, but he's an absolute just no-brainer NFL guy would be Mason Smith, a defensive lineman at Louisiana. I think everyone knows who he is. Um, it's hard to tell what he's going to do. LSU, I still think at the end of the day, he, he, it's going to be hard to get him out of that state. LSU is going to – it's hard to get him out of that state. I'm just telling you. And But if he does decide to go play somewhere else, I like Georgia's chances. I really do. And I think this guy's an elite, elite player. Uh, Jalen Carter-type guy, a little bit taller than, than Jalen. Uh, if Georgia were to somehow have Mason Smith and Jalen Carter and, and, and all the other guys in that room, in like a year and a half, oh, my goodness. And Trey Scott would be uh, probably add another comma in his salary because that is a ridiculous room if they can handle that, if they can get that. Then I think you look at uh, Xavier Sori uh, is a guy that I just think that uh, they've recruited hard. No Glenn Schumann's involved there. Scott Cochran's heavily involved there. You just can't have enough of those guys that can play multiple positions. This guy can play outside linebacker. He can play inside linebacker. Uh, they've recruited him hard now. So there's some other guys. Corey Foreman's a freak show. Uh, Diamond Edwards, obviously. You know, this new wide receiver offer is kind of interesting to me. You know, they've got most of the pieces to the puzzle, but they've got a lot of big-time Peterian and Arnold. I mean, here's another guy that's a, uh, you know, safety too. You know what, I, I might put Terry and Arnold in there. Uh, up top as well, just because the safety position, man. I mean, this guy reminds me so much personality-wise of Richard LeCount, and I guarantee you 
He runs a little bit better than Richard. Um, you know, Richard plays fast, but he's not going to burn you in a 40. So uh, they got some big targets left. It's going to be interesting to see how it's so weird for me and Jake to come, I mean, me and Kip to cover this with, you know, right now we'd be sitting here getting prepared for this weekend in Georgia probably would have six or seven uh, official visits weekend, maybe all the commits. I mean, it would be a packed, packed weekend. And Georgia's going to play Van on Saturday at 4 o'clock with maybe one or two prospects sitting in the stands. Yeah, I'm not sure how realistic anybody is. Again, not my, not really my purview. But, um, you know, when I look at Georgia's needs, um, obviously you bring up the defensive backfield and that's something Georgia needs. And, and you know, my top three would reflect that too. But I think I would be more concerned with outside linebacker right now. And, uh, you know, with that and him being the number one player in the country and all that stuff, you can get Corey Foreman. I think that's got to be number one because he can help you there. He can help you at D end. Xavier Sori would probably come in right there at number two because of his ability to also play outside linebacker, play inside linebacker. And I go Nylon Green, uh, number three, because I've, I've loved every second of film I've ever seen on the kid. I love it when DBs play wide receiver, and he's a good one. Um, I think he would be a really good player for Georgia there. And, and you know, they, they've added some pieces in the defensive backfield. You know, uh, uh, David uh, – is it Daniel David or David – Daniel David played quarterback at Mill Creek, I believe. Uh, uh, David yeah. Daniel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I always get a mix up. Y'all know how I am with names on the podcast. I've called Trey Burton uh, – Jermaine Burton, Trey Burton like 50 times. Uh, but, yeah, so I always get that name mixed up. So, they, they've added him, Nugget Warren. Um, Kamari Lassiter is a guy I'm really interested in. And then, you know, Javon Bullard is also a really good player. Uh, so, I think they've, they've somewhat met some needs at defensive back. But I, I really think they've got to get a guy who can play outside linebacker. I don't know if Elijah Judy's still really in, in play or not. Uh, I assume they're still recruiting him pretty hard. Uh, one time Georgia commit and, and, and you know, Texas and Simpson to be making him there. But I, I really think they need to add a guy who – rush from the edge and, and play outside linebacker in this class. Kip, give me your top three. You guys crushed it. You did all the hard, the heavy lifting for me as always. I think, uh, you know, I got to go with Mason Smith, number one, just because of the, the position premium. And you look at Georgia's defense, you know, with, with and without Jordan Davis, obviously Jalen Carter is – is playing very good football. And as I said before, I think Zion Logue is, is giving you some good snaps, but uh, that, that kind of athleticism at, at his size, it just that, that's a difference maker right there. And, and so I think if you can land a guy like him with Tyrone Ingram Dawkins and, you know, Marlon Dean as well, I mean, this is, that's a strong defensive line group that, that Georgia would be able to, uh, to load up, load up that room with. And, and so, you know, Jonathan Jefferson as well. I mean, well, is, yeah, Jonathan Jefferson's an interesting one. I think he ends up being like that Malik Heron role. You know, I think that is kind of where he ends up. He's got, he's having he had a great senior season and I, I, I'm stock up on him. It's just, uh, it'll, you know, all depend on kind of how his body develops, but I think he's a great defensive end that you can, you can utilize out there all three downs and, and he, he should be able to, to help you out there. So, you add Mason Smith to that group, though, and I mean, I mean, we've talked about Trey Scott. He's doing an outstanding job. A guy that a lot of people didn't know about when he when he came on board, uh, but I, I think he's really starting to to build a name for himself. And I, I think the the next two drafts, I mean, he's going to be able to 
to have a couple feathers in his cap with some guys, you know, getting selected and then making plays in the NFL. So I like Mason Smith there. I mean, it's obviously a tough battle, as we said. I mean, I'm not projecting him to Georgia by any means, but I mean, they're in there, they're battling it out. Obviously, LSU season hasn't gone very well for them. So it's probably helped Georgia in that regard. But you get a guy in campus multiple times. That's kind of the eye opener for for Rusty and I, out of state guy, you know, a couple states away. If they if they get on campus multiple times, then there's something to to keep an eye on. Especially this year, they're getting on campus and they're not even able to have face to face contact with the coaching staff. They're not even able to see the facilities. Uh, that that tells you that there's serious interest there because it's not easy to get guys on campus this fall. It's, I mean. I remember they were talking about it when the season began and wondering whether it's even legal for Georgia, Oklahoma to even have recruits in town. You know, that was the big, that was the big talk going early on in the season is these guys breaking rules, just having guys on campus. So that just tells you just how difficult it is getting guys in campus. If people are going to talk about whether or not it's allowed or not. And obviously it is as long as they're not, you know, spending time in the, uh, the coaching staff's offices while they're there and things like that. But I love Mason for that top spot. Number two, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Nylon Green as well. I think he's a guy that can play multiple positions for you in the secondary. Uh, I know that cornerback is a position where he's listed as. Uh, he plays a lot of safety as well. I mean, that's just the kind of guy that Georgia likes, the guy that you can, you can plug him anywhere in the secondary, and he's got the athleticism. And he's got that mentality that you look for in a defensive back, you know, good ball skills as well. So that's a guy that I think, even though they have a little, they have some guys committed in the secondary, I think he kind of gives them a little bit more athleticism and, and size as well. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a must get in my opinion, if you can have one, just because you need that total package in the secondary nugget Warren being a Juco guy, you know, how long are you going to have him be able to plug him into that roster? If you're losing multiple guys in the secondary, which we expect Georgia to, uh, to potentially lose their top three cornerbacks after the season, you got to load up there. So he's, he's big for me. And then finally, I mean, you guys touched on it. I think that really bringing in an, an, an edge defender is important in this class. And as, as much as I, you know, I know that f- fans, everyone, the coaching staff, would love for that to be Corey Foreman. Uh, it seems like every week, you know, someone is is getting the momentum in his recruitment. A new, whether it's Clemson, whether it's LSU, whether it's Georgia, maybe now it's you know USC again. Uh, I think that it's going to be really tough to project and and cover his recruitment down the stretch for us. But I think Georgia needs to land you know, either him or getting Elijah Judy back in the fold. I think that they're going to continue to recruit him hard. If if he announces his decision on, uh, I think, January 2nd is the current schedule. If he goes by that plan, Georgia's probably going to have to make a push there. And if he, you know, if he ultimately pushes it off, maybe Georgia has more time to, to make a move there. But I, I think that position if I'm really just going to handicap it, that that would be third on and just where Georgia needs to to add somebody else in this class. Because if you're starting to look at this class and see where they did well, maybe where they could have done better, the edge defender is a spot where they, they, they could they could use more talent there. 
like I said, especially if I mean, I mean, you've got Aziz Ojolari potentially heading to the NFL after the season. I mean, that's a big spot right there. They got some guys on campus that can step up, and Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, like that. But also, I mean, Jermaine Johnson, if he decides not to to come back and and use that extra year that he has, then I mean, you got a lot of snaps that you're needing to replace there. And I I think that either Elijah Judy or Obviously, a Corey Foreman, that would go a long way to, for, towards giving Georgia another guy to develop and, and, and potentially get some early playing time in, in Athens. There you have it, folks. Uh, that's, about the, that's about as good a rundown from these two as you're going to get as far as what's left on the board for Georgia. We're not done with the recruiting talk. We'll talk about it at least one show next week, maybe both. Uh, but we won't be back until after the Vanderbilt game, and it's going to likely be a Georgia win, and we'll have all that covered for you at Dogs 24-7. But for this episode, we're done. We're out of here. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell with Dogs 24-7. You guys take it easy. This show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.